in to the Sports Predictor Podcast. I'm your host, Al Walsh, and we are brought to you by SportsPredictor.com, where professional bettors share their best plays. Get the winning edge by subscribing to the Sports Picks packages from long-term winning bettors. Once again, that's SportsPredictor.com. Also, make sure you give us a follow there on Twitter, at PredictorHQ. Once again, that's on Twitter, at Predictor HQ. Today, Mr. West is in the building. Doug West, uh, one of our fine handicappers here at sportspredictor.com. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at WC Sports Edge. Once again, that's on Twitter at WC Sports Edge. What's going on, Doug? Not much, my man. How are you doing today? Uh, well, you know, was doing it right until the Nets, uh, you know, decided not to do their thing there in the, se- in the uh, end of the second quarter. But Nonetheless, we digress. We we got to get to more important things than that. Uh, especially speaking of important things, how has the NBA and college basketball season been going for you? So they've been going good, but to start out, my college hoop season uh, got off to a little bit of a slow start uh, the first week, and then I picked it up. Uh, I, I'm going to actually go into uh, detail, and I'm going to go over my college hoops uh, record each month uh, from the start of the season to now, okay. and then I'm the same for my NBA. So starting off, my college hoops November went 74, 71, and 3 for plus 6.9 units. And then I took a step back in December where I went 56, 58, and 1 for minus 13.7. And then as of right now, uh, in January, I'm 43, 32, and 1 for plus 12.3 units. So in total, my current college hoops season record is 173, 161, and 5 for plus five and a half units, which includes, as of right this second, let's see, I am... Drum roll. Six and oh on the day nice. uh, for college. Um, and I've got one game pending with uh, Wisconsin. So I'm either going to be six and one tonight or seven and oh. Um, but either way, whether that game wins or loses, um, I'm a uh, plus money on the season. And uh, yeah, like I had that bad December in college hoops, but got a winning, winning season to date. And I'm really looking forward to the second half of the year there. And then for NBA, uh, October, I actually, I, a much slower start in the NBA. It was a uh, minus 8.06 units in October where I went 18, 22 and one. Then November I went 50 and 47 for plus 1.25 units. And then December, I, I really opened it up and I really just got on a roll. I went 65 and 45 in December nice. uh, for plus 29.9 units. And then as of right now in January, I'm basically 500 i'm 22 and 20 for minus one unit so uh the season as a whole as of right this second uh current nba season record is 154 134 and one for plus 20.09 units so gotta love uh, that so yeah so I, i was really i was i was getting a little frustrated about halfway through november i was i was teetering from between minus five units on the year to minus 15 units and I was just kind of stuck in that little that little box for about two weeks straight. But then the end of November and then the entire month of December, I just kept taking a step up almost every night. And uh, that's how we got to the current uh, NBA season record where I'm plus uh, just over 20 units. So, um, yeah, like I said, after that first losing month, I've just been – I've rattled off back-to-back winning months in the NBA, uh, including that monster December. Uh, so I'm just looking to make it three straight winning months with January. Um, yeah, and I, I'm just really excited about both college and NBA. Um, so I'm, I'm plus money in both sports. So if you were kind of waiting to see how I did as a potential, you know, client, uh, these first few months, um, right now is the time to jump right in and, and don't miss out on profiting with me because we've only got uh, about two and a half, three months left of college. And then NBA is a bit longer, but I'm going to make it three straight winning months in January for NBA. So uh, stop sitting on the sidelines and jump right in. Let's go. That's right. Put them in, coach. Put them in. So <laughs> basketball so interesting, right? Because obviously we're trying to get this this round orange ball into a little hoop that just seems like a, a corner pocket on a pool table some night. So how you know how do you kind of keep that sanity of knowing that you know at the end of the day everything's going to be all right? But of course, I mean you know we want to be sixty, sixty five percent, seventy percent, things of that nature. But I mean, how, how do you how do you try to Keep that faith going all the time. You know, it's, it's a it's a funny thing that you bring that up because, you know, as a sports better, you you kind of live and die uh, 
and to, to a certain extent, you know, especially when you're, when you're just first getting into it, you kind of live and die on not only every bet you make, but, uh, more of like, Oh, how the results went that night. Um, so, you know, you feel really good about yourself if you had a winning day and even more so if you had like, you know, a four and O day or five and O or something like that. Whereas on the opposite side of the spectrum, you, you know, you feel like the world's going to end if you go zero and three or zero and seven or whatever it may be, and it's that that clarity that you have to have in your head of there's there's always going to be another game tomorrow. You know, the the last game of the night isn't the last game of your sports betting life. So it, it, it's where you got to take a step back and be be you know mature and go okay, well, okay, I had a very terrible night tonight, and it is what it is. I can't change it. Try not to chase and just compact, you know, compound the issue and make it worse. Just take a step back. You know, you're done for that day, you know, fire it off the next day and just, uh, you know, pick your spots and, and don't be just too hasty and trying to get your money back because that's how long losing streaks just compile and just get bigger and bigger. And then you're just in a, in a huge hole. So the, the longer that I've been betting and the more that I've, I've done this, it's just, it becomes more and more apparent each, each year and each season that you just can't get caught up in the moment because if you do, that's when you really just take those big negative numbers on your uh, on your spreadsheet. Yeah, and then you can make them even bigger, which you don't, which you never want to do. Um, all right, now we're definitely going to get into NBA first before college because you know I just feel like you know again less teams to go through and things like that. But have you seen? Uh, I mean, of course, you know whether teams are playing more zone defense or higher scoring in the NBA. Uh, any sort of slight difference that you're seeing between the games this year that you know the the average better might not pick up on. In, in terms of uh, NBA and college, I mean, there's always going to be your disparity of, of talent level. Obviously, there's right. you know a very right. a very very minute percentage of the kids that play in college basketball across the Division One landscape will end up playing in the in the NBA. So obviously, the level of talent is one. But on the other end of the spectrum, I I, I actually have noticed that both college basketball and the NBA the, the and we we talked about this on our last podcast, but the pace of play has gone up. Uh, considerably the last few years in both uh, both sports. So that's the biggest takeaway is the pace of play is there. Um, and I think in college basketball, you're starting to see more and more coaches throughout the country start to adapt to that free-willing and open offensive style of basketball where they want to get up and down the floor uh, as quickly as possible. It's encouraged by the newer generation of coaches where um, – on the other side of things, we see a lot less of uh, what I like to call snail ball, <laughs> where teams are literally just inbounding it and walk and literally walking the ball up and pounding it down into the paint onto the low block every possession. That is a very rare sight in uh, the college basketball world now. Whereas even seven to ten years ago, that was uh, you saw a lot of mid major teams and even some of the elite teams doing that, whether they had a player that could uh, execute that. Or the mindset of, oh, we have to play inside out, even if our personnel doesn't fit that mold. Um, and that's where I think coaches are starting to understand that, well, I have the athletes to play an up and down style, and the game is getting more and more perimeter oriented, where you're either taking a shot at the rim or you're taking a shot from the three-point line, and the mid-range game has become almost non-existent. Uh, and I think you're seeing that kind of trickle down into the college uh, game a lot more, uh, like I said, a lot more than it ever was seven to 10 years ago. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, I'm a Duke fan by, I guess, generation, I guess you could say. Uh, but like, I just absolutely cannot stand watching the college game. And it's funny too, because I got a lot of people out there, you know, who, Oh, how how do you say that? Blah, blah, blah. Look, I love the talent level, you know, and look, some fans love the pageantry of college sports and, you know, kind of love the coaching and I guess the uh, organizational methods that they bring to the table. But me, I'm a guy that I like talent. I like watching talent more so than I do uh, in the collegiate game right there. But you're right. You know, there's a very small percentage of these guys from college that go to the pros and the rest of them are playing in the Hoboken Recreational League with me. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny that you bring up the uh, disparity of, you know, the college, the, the the normal college fan and the normal NBA fan. And, and you're right. Um I'm kind of somewhere in between. I, I enjoy, like I told you in our previous uh, podcast, I enjoy, like I could go watch a, a normal high school game yep. and I'd, I'd enjoy it. And then I could go to an NBA game and be in heaven. So 
I like everything in between. I, I love watching college basketball because I like to see the tactician uh, mentality of these coaches that are trying to match up between a team that goes zone 80% of the time, like Syracuse, versus a team that loves just to run up and down like North Carolina. Like I, I love to see the styles clashing in, in the college game. And then in the NBA, like you, I love the talent. I love to see the best players in the world playing at the top of their game. Uh, so yeah, I, I like it all. But um, but I can, I can understand both sides of the argument in terms of the college fan going, oh, well, the NBA players don't care that much or they, they only, you know, they try hard sometimes. And but then they go, oh, well, I love that they just play hard for their team in college. And like we also touched on in a previous podcast, those kids are playing their hearts out for these schools. And yes, they're getting compensated with their education. But uh, some of these schools like all like your your uh, your dookies, I mean, they're bringing in, you know, millions upon millions of dollars for that school. And, you know, if your name's not Zion Williams or RJ Barrett, like you're not really seeing any of that go back into your pocketbooks once you get to the league, because. You know, how many other guys are in the league from that team? Yeah, absolutely. You know, very few. So, you know, it, 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 it's a, a discussion for another day. But I, I love both the NBA and college basketball. Uh, and I like what they, what they both have to offer. So, um, but uh, one more point about a major difference that I've seen in terms of, I was looking at this chart uh, before our, podca- our, our podcast started. And um, it was a chart of the top 200 shot locations in the NBA from the 2001-2002 season. I think I saw versus, this. Yeah, the same thing. Yeah. Oh, dude, I was like I was I was studying that thing. I was like, "Oh my god, like this is incredible. Like just in 10 years, I wish I could post it up on the screen right now for everybody listening to see, but maybe I'll post it on my Twitter handle. Um, but it basically shows where the top 200 shots that were taken as a whole in the in the NBA season from 2001-2002 that season versus the current season. And it just blew my mind how how just staggering this the selection of shots were from a mid-range perspective back then. I mean, there's a bunch of red dots <laughs> all around the elbow and a little bit past that on both sides of the floor. And you even see some dots near the top of the key, which for those that are new to basketball, the top of the key, uh, the actual top of the key is not a three-pointer in the NBA. The NBA line is is like another two feet behind that. So, and you see a ton of you see a ton of red dots that just litter the baseline from literally from like 18, 19 feet in the corner, which is two feet in front of the three-point line, all the way across the other side. And then when you look at the 2019-2020 shot chart, there's literally not one single mid-range shot is it got in the top 200 shots taken so far this year. Jeez. It's crazy. It's like it's all three pointers and then everything else is right in the middle of the paint, like right around the basket and at the bottom of the semicircle. So what that just shows me is um, you used to get a ton of uh, mid range jumpers from the elbow floating towards the baseline. But now those shots are so scarce that they don't even land in the top 200 locations. And it, it kind of like just boggles my mind how guys like Rip Hamilton of the Detroit Pistons. I mean, he was one of the best mid range scores in the, that the league has ever seen. And if he was playing in today's NBA, he'd have to play a totally different style uh, because of how the league has transformed in the last 10 years. It's crazy. Yeah, it really is. Definitely is. So before we get in, uh, you know, we kind of, you know, go our separate ways with the NBA and college hoops. Um, One thing that I've gotten into a lot more this year is machine learning. And, you know, I know you and a lot of the top handicappers out there, they they definitely uh, rely on a lot of this stuff. So, um, you know, what sort of percentage do you put into this? Like, you know, is it 60% maybe, you know, your projections, your model, uh, 40% actually watching the games? Like, how, how do you, you know, strike that sort of balance? It's actually it's actually pretty much close to a 50-50 balance. Um, I, I, I guess if I had to pick a little bit more, I'd say it's more 60% of the modeling and projections. Uh, and then the other 40% is the intuition of watching a game, knowing how coaches combat each other with their certain styles and everything else that goes into knowing basketball uh, in depth as much as you can from a playing perspective and from a, uh, a fan's perspective in terms of knowing as much as you can about each and every team and each and every player and their tendencies that they tend to fall into on a nightly basis. Um, so yeah, I'd say it's pretty close to a 50-50 split, but um, I definitely probably lean on my 
experience of playing basketball and just intuition more than your average person who maybe never played college or high school that they just kind of just go off what they see every night. But, yeah. um, but yeah, I'd say it's pretty close to a 50, 50 split for me. Yeah. Interesting. I, I know the day I always, the day I start using those models and machine learning and things like that, you know, the day your uh, pigs are flying. So beware, you might get a porky in the sky. You might get one folks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's talk about the NBA first before we get into college. So, uh, tons of roster changeover uh, in the offseason. I know that we talked about this and how it could affect the game. Uh, any any big takeaways that you're seeing with some teams that made a lot of moves this season? I mean, in general, I don't think there hasn't been any one move that's really shocked me in terms of, okay, well, I thought this guy would have a much bigger impact or I thought this guy – wasn't going to do as well as he's doing. Basically for me, it's the teams that you are, that already had a good core of elite talent, like the Lakers with LeBron, for example, Uh, they've shown that all it really takes is that one other top player to move over to their squad, to fill that void that they had in their roster. And then just piece the rest of the, you know, the roster up and down with suitable role players. And you can be a legit contender. Um, And the same can be said for the Clippers who have Paul George and Kawhi, who both came in, you know, new to the team and they already had a pretty solid bevy of role players. So uh, as long as you have that star or two, you just got to fill in the gaps with other solid role players. And, and I think Kawhi and uh, Paul George have kind of, even though they haven't been playing every game, they've, they've had the uh, load management going on. I think them more than anybody so far this year, I kind of feel like if you got guys who are willing to play together and that want to play together and aren't about me first, but they're about team first, you can make it work. Uh, and I think they're a great example because they were they were the uh, quote unquote man on their previous teams, and they were both successful. But they were like, you know what, we want to we want to get that title. A, a lot of guys who who it's like it's like this ladder in the NBA. Once you get to the NBA, that's your first accomplishment, and that's like you're proving to yourself that. Okay, I'm good enough to make it to the league. The next step is, okay, now I need to to really prove that I'm able to stay in the league and be a, a legitimate player. And then once you prove you're a legitimate player to yourself and your peers, then it's, okay, now I got to get paid. And Kawhi and Paul George are past that phase. They both have gotten their big contracts. They both are legit, you know, top 10, top 15 players. Uh, and then, you know, that, now the next thing is, okay, you've got your legitimate player, you're in the league. You got paid. What's the next thing that's missing is a championship. So that's the next thing that guys are willing to take a little bit less money to play together to win a ring. And that's the kind of path that these guys are on uh, when you reach that level. So um, I don't think there's any big offseason move that like shocked me because I, I've kind of expected this from Kawhi and the and the Clippers and the Lakers are, are right where we thought they would be. Um, but the team uh, that um, wasn't even on my radar that has made a really big splash lately uh, was the team that played your Brooklyn Nets tonight, which is the Utah Jazz. Oh, God. Um, How good are they, man? My goodness. So, I mean, think about it. They've won 15 of their last 16 games, okay? Uh, And they're already a top-five defense in the league because of just they play really good perimeter defense, but then they have the defensive player of the year, inside waiting for for uh, opposing offenses which is Rudy Gobert he's just a, an amazing rim protector so I think as long as Gobert stays healthy um they're gonna be a legit team the rest of the year and I had them I, I'm trying to remember in my power rankings before the year started I think I had them fifth or sixth in the west uh in the playoffs so it's not like I had them at eighth or ninth or, or first or second but I had them right there in the middle um but I, obviously they're not going to keep this crazy win streak up the rest of the year but if they're just right around what we thought they'd be I, I think they're a legit team that can that can make some noise in the playoffs and as we've seen last year and years before if somebody gets hurt you know on one of the the Lakers or Clippers or or the Bucks or one of those other teams like a team like the Jazz that maybe has a you know a good a run with the luck factor in terms of health and they keep up this scoring um they could be a legit team all the way to the Western Conference Finals and, and beyond if if they keep up this balanced offensive attack. Because, like for example, tonight uh, Bogdanovich had um, eighteen, uh, Gobert had twenty two, uh, Joe Ingles had twenty seven. He led the team in scoring, uh, and then Jordan Clarkson off the bench had thirteen. Yeah. 
And I haven't even mentioned the Jazz's best player yet, which is Donovan Mitchell. And he's had his, you know, consistent 25 points a night. I mean, if they get even two of those guys to get double digits outside of Mitchell, they'll be a threat because they play defense every night. Uh, as my old college coach used to say, defense travels. So when you go and play another team's gyms, you know, defense is always going to be there. You're going to have off night shooting. But uh, if you play defense every night, you're going to give yourself a chance to win. And that's what I kind of feel like this Jazz team is. They're they're deep. Um, they're not about me. They play together, and they've got that balanced attack. And if they can keep that up, I think they could be a real threat uh, down the stretch in the playoffs. Yeah, it was really inspiring to watch them play great ball as I was screaming at the top of my lungs. Tonight, <laughs> you know, but you know that's that's neither here nor there. Um, all right, in, in terms of looking at the top teams, you know, I. I the, the Jazz might very well be the answer to this next question, but uh, you got the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Bucks all tied uh, on FanDuel Sportsbook with plus 320 odds to win the NBA title. Uh, is that who we're likely going to see win the title, one of those three teams, or is a team like the Jazz or somebody else going to sneak up late here? Yeah, I think I jumped the gun on that one a little <laughs> bit with uh, me just talking about the Jazz like that. But, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, all those teams that you just listed are, are the favorites to take the uh, <clears throat> the NBA crown this season, and, and rightfully so. Uh, but like you said, there's a team that's been sneaking up on my radar, and it, it is the Jazz, and I just touched on that in depth. Um, you know, sorry, I'm not trying to rub it in, Alan, but, uh, but uh, let's oh, see. Worry, Earlier don't today, worry. I, I've had plenty of, uh, plenty of struggles as a Nets fan. Don't worry. What's another year? Yeah, right. Did you get to go to the game tonight or did you watch it at the house? No, I watched it at the house. I've been to a couple of games already. Got uh, I'm going in two weeks to the next one. Nice, man. So, yeah, to finish up my point on the Jazz, um, like I said, I, I talked about their roster and their consistency. And, and like I said, if they can get – if they can just get two or three of those guys outside of uh, Donovan Mitchell to score even you know 10 to 15 points on a given night, that's going to really give them a chance to win – uh, deep into the season uh, when the playoffs roll around. Uh, and I, I just mentioned um, all of their their roster depth and their defense, but I think I saw the Jazz uh, earlier today at 24 to 1 uh, to win it all. So that means they're 12 to 1 to win the West. And, you know, thinking about who's coming out of the East, you know, I, I don't know, man. Like, I guess whenever I think about futures like this, I always think if you're going to bet whatever it is, one unit or a small, whatever the, the, the amount is, if you're going to bet on a team to win it all, why would you not bet half of that on them to win the West or whatever conference they're in? Because, you know, like the last thing, it's got to be such a, a terrible feeling for you to bet on a team that gets all the way to the title and then they lose there. And you're like, great. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know, if you're not thinking, you know, smart enough to hedge or it's not that big enough of a ticket to hedge or, you know, just depending on the circumstances, I always like to just have a little bit of something to win whatever team you're betting on their conference championship and then also the title if you're going to do it, just so you're not left high and dry if they actually get to the mountaintop and, and then get knocked off by the only other team up there that they're playing. Yeah, hey, that's exactly why I pulled out of my uh, bucks to win the NBA title bet a little early last year. Made, uh, made a nice uh, little profit there, so... It's Good move by you. I remember saying that. Yes, it does work, my friends. I, I figured, you know, like I was looking nice in the Eastern Conference Finals up 2 nothing, And then after game four, I just did not have a good feeling. And luckily, it was the right one. So we'll take that. Uh, the Sixers were a team that you mentioned there. Uh, this whole thing with uh, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, there have been some trade rumors uh, that have come up between, you know, maybe one or the other uh you know, find their way out of Philly if, if a magical deal finds its way right into their lap. So do you think that that's the right move to break these guys up or do you think that they can make it work as is? So this one has me scratching my head a bit because Ben Simmons is the epitome of a guard slash forward who can't shoot yeah. at all <laughs> and, and clogs the floor up because of his inability to stretch the floor. So you got him on one hand and then on the other hand you have – Joel Embiid, who he's blessed with the size and athleticism that literally almost no one else in the entire NBA possesses. And he's so agile and athletic that he's the one true post player, I think, in the entire league who I would want to run my offense through down on the low block because he demands a double team as soon as he touches the ball. And that just opens up the floor for all of the shooters that are just spaced out on the three point line. Um, but sometimes Embiid's vast skill set tends to bite him in the behind because he often finds himself floating on the perimeter, 
taking way too many three-pointers, which in my estimation is letting the defense off the hook and not paying for his immense size and athletic advantage that he has pretty much against every single team except maybe Utah's Rudy Gobert. Um, and even him, he can you know outmuscle him. So it, it's quite the conundrum they have in Philadelphia. I, I'm not sure there's a right answer on who to get rid of or who to keep, but if I was forced to pick one or the other, I guess I would lean towards getting rid of Embiid yeah. Just because of his off the court, yeah. an, because of his off the court antics, and sometimes he seems to be not all there in terms of his focus and commitment to basketball. Um, and if that's the move I made, I would hope that these next two to three off seasons were ones where Ben Simmons would literally lock himself in the gym all summer long, and with the right coaches to work with him, they would really have to work on the mechanics of his jump shot and get it to where he could knock down even a seventeen footer with some consistency because, you know, I don't expect him to be a three point shooter overnight, but the guy's not even taking any shots outside of the paint. Really. It's all floaters in the paint, layups, dunks. And I think he's put up what five, maybe it's six or seven by now, but threes in the entire year. I mean, he's not, he's literally not a threat to shoot outside of the paint. So, um, but if he can get that consistency, even with 17, 18 foot jumper, he's going to be, if he ever gets that, he's going to be unguardable because the rest of his game is there. He, he sees the floor really well. He makes the right pass, you know, nine out of ten times. He's a he's a terror to guard and transition on defense. Uh, I mean, he's so smooth for his size, and he just sees the floor so well. So the one thing missing from his game is his jumper. So I guess for all those reasons I just listed, if I had a gun to my head, I would on who to keep, whether it was Embiid or Simmons. I guess I would reluctantly have to take Simmons because of everything I just said. Wow. Interesting. All right. So any other, you know, trades out there that would intrigue you? I know it's kind of a, you know, we could probably go on all day about this, but uh, maybe one or two in particular that you, that you think might work for a team in a certain situation. You know, I, I was, I was looking at this earlier and I, there's not like some big obvious, like staring you in the face one that the contract makes sense. The move makes sense, but I mean, the NBA trade line, uh, excuse me, the trade deadline is on February 6th. So we've got about three more weeks to see uh, what each contender and teams that are a piece or two away, what they're going to do. I, I would love to see, I would love to see, <laughs> I would love to see Kevin Love, uh, wow. you know, move somewhere to help out a contender. But his contract is just, is so massive. And I don't really see any team that's going to be willing to take on his contract. Um, but I really hope there's some way they can maybe work it with a three-team move because he's got. I think he's got enough left in the tank where he can help a team out that's you know sitting on that seven-eight line in the West, or you know maybe a team in the East that feels like they just need another uh, floor spacer with a guy who can rebound too for his size. But that's the one guy I would love to see get moved, but I don't think it's very likely. I, I'm pretty sure it's not going to happen, but I hope they prove me wrong and move him because he's just wasting away. Uh, on his last couple impactful years that he has left on the, on the bottom feeders that are the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I, I just, I really hope that he can get out of there and, and help somebody, you know, chase a title or at least make him a title contender. Um, and then the only other one that I'm kind of like intrigued about is uh, D'Angelo Russell uh, on the Golden State Warriors. Um, I've heard I opposing know, news. I know, I know him well, yes. Yeah, you know him well. You've seen him quite a bit yes. uh, as a Nets fan. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, I, I, I really don't see him staying in the Bay Area with the Warriors come next season unless, uh, unless the Warriors really think they can make Clay, Steph, and D'Angelo work because D'Angelo really needs the ball to be effective where Steph and Clay, I mean, I know they play really well off the ball, but I just, I just don't think D'Angelo is going to be in, in the Bay Area next year in the Warriors jersey. Um, so I, I think that, there might be a team out there who's lacking some scoring off the bench that could really use him because the guy can light it up. Um, I, I think that he would be great asset off the bench for a team that's looking for uh, that one extra guy to come off the bench and supply him with a lot of offensive fireworks. So I, I could see him moving. Um, but like I said, I've heard conflicting uh, rumors and news about him, whether he's staying or going. Um, but we're, in all likelihood, we won't really see any moves happen. Uh, until we get really close to the trade deadline on February 6th. So like I said, we got three weeks. So we're going to probably see some pieces start to move 
right around then. So uh, that'll be intriguing too because every year there's always somebody that moves that you didn't expect or that you didn't even think about. And then it like, wow, that totally makes sense. So I'm kind of excited for that as well. For sure. I, uh, we are here with Doug West. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at WC Sports Edge. Uh, he's one of the top handicappers for uh, not only NBA basketball, but college basketball as well here on sportspredictor.com. So make sure you buy his packages and check out all his stuff as well as all of the other uh, handicappers that we got on here. So, uh, you know, we haven't got to college basketball yet, but here we go. What's up with all these uh, early season upsets? It's, is this just like, you know, inexperienced you know, freshmen playing on these bigger teams, going up against a lot of teams with seniors. What the hell's going on here? <laughs> so I 100% attribute this, uh, all these upsets uh, to being, I, I basically think that it's the board across college basketball is just so much more even than it was five to 10 years ago. We don't, we don't have that one team this year that has three first round picks on it like Kentucky or Duke or Carolina, like, you know, remember the Anthony Davis team with John Wall and like that, that team was just ridiculous how much talent they had on that one team with that coach Calipari had. And I don't think we have any really teams that are dominant that are expected to win like that this year. And I think we've kind of seen the results fall just in line with that. Uh, since we have so much more parity than we've ever seen before, uh, I think that's led to all the upsets that you're talking about, Alan, and pretty much on a nightly basis. Um, for example, the number three team in the country, Duke, this uh, this season, they just lost to unranked Clemson. Uh, that game finished a couple hours ago. They were 11-point favorites. I think it might have closed 10.5, but they lost outright at Clemson, who's unranked. Um, and then number 11, Louisville, needed overtime to survive a scare from unranked Pittsburgh. So I just feel like across the entire college basketball landscape, the entire year, and it's going to continue the rest of the year too, um, because like you said, you've got these teams that are either true mid-majors or teams that are in the middle or the bottom of these, you know, the power six conferences that are, they, they've got juniors and seniors on the team versus a lot of these teams that are, that have that, you know, star studded freshmen. And it's just the clash of, you could just pretty much sum it up in one word parody. There's not, a lot of these guys, I, I think, um, uh, Brandon Jennings, remember when he went over to Israel and played professionally there instead of going to college? I sure do. Brandon Jennings is one of my favorite players of all time. So, so I mean, there's there's guys that are now skipping college and going to play in Australia, like Lonzo Ball's little brother. And you've got you've got all these other guys that are saying, you know what? I don't need to go to college for a year. For a year, I can go make some money overseas. And there's a ton of different leagues around the world where they can do that. And play for a year or two, get paid, take care of my family, instead of risking getting injured, playing in the NCAA and not getting paid and helping my family. And and then they're going to go in the league after that. I mean, I'm sure there was somebody who did it before Brandon Jennings, but I remember him being one of the first ones to go and say, you know what? I don't need to go to college. I'm going to go play professionally overseas, make a little bit of money for me and my family. And then I'm just going to go right into the NBA. And, and Jennings had a great career. He made... He made plenty of money. He was one of the better players on most of the teams he was on. So, I mean, it's another path that has now been created for a lot of these kids who don't want to go the college route. So, and I think that little bit of extra talent that is now out of college basketball has kind of attributed to how, how much parity, <clears throat> excuse me, how much parity we're seeing. So I think from the beginning all the way to the end, I really feel that it's anybody's a tournament to win this year. I don't. I don't feel like there's one or two teams that are going to be monster favorites to take down, uh, cut down the nets uh, during the college basketball season. I really feel like you're going to have six to eight teams that are going to have the same, pretty much the same chance of of winning it all. So, as as a fan of of basketball in general, I really like that aspect. I like that there's going to be maybe somebody coming out of nowhere, kind of like last year, how Texas Tech all of a sudden was one stop away from winning it all. And then Virginia hit that three in the corner uh, that kind of saved their season. So I, 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 as a fan, I love it. Um, and I think for basketball in general, it's great. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to the rest of the college hoop season just because we really don't have a clear-cut idea of who's going to win it all or who's the top one or two teams. I, I really feel like there's at least six, seven, or eight teams that could really cut down the nets in March. You know, I joke about it every year, like, oh, if this is the year 
I'm giving my bracket to my girlfriend or I'm giving the bracket to my grandma and letting them do it. But this seems like the perfect time to do it. <laughs> yeah, you might as well, you know, because I mean, whatever you're that, doing, just that, that's who wins all these office pools are like, you know, young, young age women or grandmas that that's who win. Well, you know what it is. So it's funny in those type of pools, they, they have no bias about, oh, well, this team can't lose to this team. They're just, you know, right. flying on this. They're just flying by the seat of their pants. They're just filling it out because they like the mascot from this school or the way that that team sounds. So that's a funny name for a school. Let's 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 have them go to the Sweet 16. Oh, Southwestern so when, Missouri State. That looks like a lot of fun. Right, exactly. And, you know, like so whenever you're doing these office pools uh, every, to everyone listening, fill out one for yourself, but just for fun so you can have a, a good laugh with your, you know, your your mom or your dad or your your girlfriend or your wife. You know, pay the extra 10 or 20 or $50, whatever it is for the buy-in and, and give them a bracket and have them fill one out. So, you know, they can have bragging rights over you or who knows, maybe they strike lightning in a bottle and they end up winning the pool and just make sure you uh, get it in writing before you uh, turn that in that you're getting X amount of that cut since you're paying for it. Yeah, I absolutely have the worst luck in those things. So it really can't hurt to be uh, tossing it over to grandma this year. So I like I it's I don't mean I don't mean to, you know, be this as a haha moment, but like I see all the time on Twitter and you know, it feels like on a nightly basis you got a bad beat with something that happened from like a, you know, uh like a a, a 60 minute or I'm sorry, like a 60 point last uh 10 minutes of a half or, you know, just like a ridiculous shot that goes in to cover a spread. I mean, what is going on with that? And then, you know, the second part of that, which one was the absolute absolute worst bad beat for you this year? So you're right. I, I was doing that from time to time the first couple of months of the season. Uh, but I think if uh, – and when I, when I say that, I'm saying about, you know, tweeting out, oh, this bad beat happened. Right. Um, but, but I think it feels good in the moment to get that frustration off of your chest, um, you know, when you tweet it out. But afterward, uh, when you go back and read it, it just kind of makes you look like you're whining and complaining. So I won't be doing that anymore. Plus, when you think about bad beats, they're just a part of sports betting. Damn. I mean, if you've been doing this long enough, they're unavoidable. And in the long run, they're, they're supposed to eventually even out where a bad beat ruins your bet versus when a bad beat takes your wager that looked dead in the water and suddenly turns it into an unforeseeable winner. So um, I, I – you know, like I said, feels good in the moment to get your frustration out, but at the same time, it's just that's it's not going to change the outcome of what just happened. So you're better off just typing the recap of you know wins, losses, and and that's and how much you won and how much you won or lost that day instead of like, oh man, this bad beat was tough. So you know, every once in a while, you get the urge to to type it out and be like, ah, but I'm just gonna just shy away from that the rest of the year and. For the for the future, it's just it's just not worth it in the long run. So, uh, and and to answer your question about the worst one, to be honest, um, I'm trying to just delete these from my memory now. The the, the bad beats. Um, I, I think I think I'm trying to. I mean, with with all that said, though, I, I've taken some pretty bad ones so far this year. But in NBA, I'm up almost you know just above 20 units so far this year, and in college, I'm up. Uh, right around uh, three or five units on the year. So even with the bad beats, um, like I said, you're supposed to, it's supposed to even out at the end of every year or, you know, over a lifetime, it's quote unquote supposed to even out. So um, I, I, if I can just avoid some ridiculous ones the rest of the year, I, shit, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be swimming in dough by the end of the season. Um, but the worst one, I, I don't even, I can't even tell you the worst one off the top of my head, but I remember the, the Rockets and the Magic one was pretty bad. Um, I had first half under in that one, and I'm trying to remember the number off the top of my head, but I believe it was like in the 118. No, was it 118? I believe it was like 118 and a half or something like that. And I had like 17 points to give. Like they could score 17 in the last two minutes, uh -huh. and I'd be okay. And they, and they scored like 21. Uh. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like it was just like, Harden makes a three, Vucevic makes a three, foul and one. It was just like it was just like insane. I'm like, uh, but yeah. So yeah, no more, no more typing out. Oh, poor me. You know, that's like I said, makes you feel good in the moment, but it doesn't really do anything for you except make you feel good for 30 seconds. So, you know, that no more of that. 
I might have to take a page out of your book because I have no shame. If I if I'm feeling some type of way, I'm letting the entire country know about it. So that's that, that is the life though. All right. So to close out here, I know we kind of talked about it, uh, you know, earlier with you know the brackets, the pools, or whatever. Uh, this just being such a um, such a wide open season in college basketball this year. But uh, you know, Duke is currently in the lead right now. Well, they might drop down a little bit, but as of when I sent these to you, uh, Duke was plus 950 on the odds to win the national title. Gonzaga and Louisville at plus 1100. Kansas at plus 1200. Baylor plus 1500. Michigan State plus 1600. Uh, I know in our previous uh, college basketball podcast, you like Michigan State as the team to run away with the crown. Uh, do you still feel that way, or do you like any of these other teams that are sitting there? Like we just touched on, Alan, I do because of the parity across the the board this year. I, I there's plenty of teams that have value um, to win it all this year, but just to stick with my pick and because I I trust Izzo and I trust his experience and his just his development of the teams throughout the year of all the Michigan State teams he's had. Um, I'm gonna stick with them as my pick to win it all, like I had preseason. And they've pretty much done what I've expected at this point. They're 13-4 and four on the year. They're ranked 15th in the country. Not that rankings matter really on the AP poll, but I just trust Izzo more than any other coach in the country uh, with his ability to mold the roster to the best version of itself when March rolls around. Um, they've been dealing with some uh, early season injuries to key players so far this year, so I'm not really panicked at all. Uh, and I expect them to continue to improve as the season moves along. Um, but I wanted to bring up uh, one of the key underclassmen that I brought up in our last college hoops podcast, his name he has a he has a great name, uh, Earl Rocket Watts. Remember him? Uh yes, Br- like vaguely, but I do remember the name. The name, yeah. So, um, like I said, he was just a dynamic scorer in high school. He scored sixty-five, I believe, in um, one of his games his senior year. He's just a instant offense um, type of kid, uh, and so far this year. Uh, he's only averaging 6.7 points a game, um, but you got to remember, he's a true freshman. He was a d- dynamic scorer in high school, and that's an understatement. I just feel like he's still trying to figure it out uh, in terms of his role and getting his confidence up to where he knows that he belongs. Like He's only shooting 19% from three-point land so far this year, um, but if he starts to play like I know he can and he starts to, and he starts to believe in himself, I really feel like that's going to be a weapon that Michigan State's going to have uh, to add to all their depth and versatility of all the upperclassmen on that team, including Cassius Winston, who is is a given night in, night out, how good he is. Um, but I really feel like when, when it gets to late February, early March, and if if he – I, I want to throw out some type of prediction, but – and I know it might not be saying much because he's only shooting 19% from three so far this year. Um, but he just looked – I remember watching him like the first few games. He just looked like he wasn't sure of himself. Um, and I feel like if he can string together a few good games during conference play against, you know, a, a legit conference that they're in the Big Ten, I really feel like he could be an added weapon that Izzo's going to be like, wow, like this is the kid that we got to come to Michigan State. This is the kid that we knew could perform in these big moments. And if if he hits some big dagger three or some big bucket in March, I'm going to be like, there he is. That's the kid that they, they knew they were going to get. And I just feel like just Michigan State as, as a whole – especially this year with just no dynamic monster team like Duke was and like Carolina seems to always be along with all the great Calipari Kentucky teams. Like this is anybody's year and why not Izzo with all his experience and all his, his wisdom. And I I just, I trust Izzo way more than any of these other coaches. Um, So I'm going to stick with my Michigan state pick and they are currently 16 to one. So if you missed them at the beginning of the year, uh, you can you can put a little bit of money on them now. And uh, I also brought this up. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of betting preseason futures before there's a game played. Sure. Because as I brought up last time, you're going to find a team like right now that's, for example, San Diego State. Okay, they're, they're all the way to number, I think, number seven in the country right now. Whew. Is that right? I'm pretty sure they're number seven. I'd have to look into yep. that, but I know that Kawhi would they're, be proud one way or the other. Yeah, right? Kawhi would, is, a, is a very proud uh, Aztec for sure. But, um, yeah, so San Diego State, they're on nobody's radar in terms of being this 
this elite of a team in the college hoop season. They're seventh in the country. Um, they're undefeated. Uh, they're playing in the Mountain West, so they haven't played a, a, a crazy tough schedule. But, for example, like there's the one time that if you really thought San Diego State could piece it together, betting them preseason would be a, a good idea. But there's, there's, there's probably at least four or five teams out there right now that are just right around 500. It happens every single year in college basketball that if you go down and you look up the odds on that, that pers- that said team, they're anywhere from 100 to 200 to one. And if you can find the formula to get the teams that are in th- that fit that mold, you're going to get crazy val- value when it comes around to March, because you're going to get a team that if you bet in the next three weeks on a team that nobody really sees at 100 to 200 to one, and then they go on a run and they end up winning their conference tournament and they get an automatic bid to the big dance. If you go on the first day of March Madness and you look up their odds, they're going to be anywhere from 60 to 80 to 1. And you just beat the market by a huge margin because you jumped on the on the wagon before everybody else did. So that's that's the main reason why I really like not betting futures before the games even get played in day one because usually there's not a lot of value. Uh, and just like Michigan State, for example, what were they to start the year? A six to one? I believe so, yes. Yeah, so like there's another perfect example. Like you could have bet Michigan State six to one, but then you're kind of saying to yourself, okay, well, if I'm going to bet this at six to one, I don't expect it to get any better than that. So that means they have to like have one or two losses all year. And mm-hmm. Michigan State is 15 and three, or 13 and four, and they're still 16 to one. And I, I don't feel like they're any less likely to win it all than they were at the start of the year. I mean, there's not, like I said, there's no true dominant team this year. So just be patient, wait for the right number where you see value before you just jump in and bet like 10 teams to win it all. Just, you're you're just killing, you're killing all the value by just betting before the season ever starts. And that's goes for NBA and for college too. There's only a very small amount of times where you want to bet teams before the season starts. And those teams have to have the public perception of, not being slated to do as good as everyone else thinks they're going to do. So if you have a different opinion than the rest of the market, then, you know, make your wager. But there's a lot, there's a lot more value to be had the majority of the time in being patient and waiting until teams kind of, you know, level out and then you can get them before they go on their run. There you have it, folks. Good things come to those who wait. So make sure you're patient and do the right thing. All right. We were just talking with Doug West. Uh, make sure you f- give him a follow there on Twitter at WC Sports Edge. And of course, you know, we were talking about it earlier. Uh, now is not the time to be patient when it comes to signing up for sportsprotector.com. That's where you got to get in. That's where you got to get Doug's stuff. Doug's stuff is on a hot run right now. So make sure you get in with Doug's stuff. Now, Dougie, before we leave, <laughs> before we leave today here, any, any closing words for the people? Um, you know, not, not, nothing, nothing, nothing crazy. Just, uh, it's been a, it's been a, a very fun last few weeks of both college basketball and NBA. Um, like Alan just said, head to sportspredictor.com, click on the link that says Doug West, go down to my college basketball or NBA, uh, picks, or you can do the combo for both of them. Uh, we've got, like I said, we've got about a little bit over half the season left in college and we still have a ton of NBA left. We've got the rest of January, all of February, uh, excuse me, February, all of March, all of April, all of May. And remember, folks, the finals aren't till June. So we have pretty much a full six months of NBA left. But college, it's we're right in the heat of things. So if you want to get on board, uh, head to sportspredictor.com, click on Doug West. I'm, I'm up in both college and NBA. All my picks every night are recorded on the site under the results page. And I also post them on my Twitter page which is at WC Sports Edge. Um, so you can check them there. I, it's a nightly thing where I like to put them up there. Um, so yeah, you can see how I'm doing. I post whether I win or lose. Uh, you can go on there and look. I think from four or five days ago, or maybe it was a week ago, I was minus 16 units in the college season. And in, in six days or seven days, I've managed to turn that to plus five. Um, most of my wagers are two units. I have some one unit wagers, uh, a three or four unit wager is pretty rare, but, um, yeah, there's no 10 or 20 unit bombs. And, um, I like to get on a consistent roll and then keep moving up the ladder like I've done. So 
If you want to start profiting with me, head to sportspredictor.com and sign up and we'll get to it. The most important thing to remember, folks, is that football is ending and you're going to need to wager your money somewhere. Now, this goes as no, <laughs> this goes as no disrespect at all to any of our uh, NHL, uh, you know, uh, touts or anything on sportspredictor.com. And it should also go without saying, too, I played hockey for over 20 years, right? You know what? Hockey's fun to wager on every once in a while, but basketball is really where you want to put your money. That, that that's where the fun is all at. So, uh, yeah, isn't isn't NHL? I mean, don't get me wrong. I I've been betting NHL this season too, but on a much less volume scale compared to my NBA in college. But I mean, isn't NHL fun to bet when you're at the game? But like, I don't know. I just yeah. feel like NBA's. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm a basketball guy. But I, you and me, it's like NBA and college basketball. Is just so much more fun to bet on than. Than NHL. That's just me, though, personally. Absolutely. And again, too, I, I feel like I'm going to have my heart's going to leap out of my chest every time I see a shot on net or anything like that. I'm like, all right, you know, like <laughs> I, I had much more fun playing the game than, you know, watching it with money on it. But nah, I, all kidding aside, though, uh, make sure you come here to sportspredictor.com, uh, follow all of Doug's stuff, and of course, give uh, Sports Predictor a follow on Twitter at PredictorHQ. All right. So once again, a big thanks to Doug. And uh, we're going to have some pretty interesting guests this week. Uh, Joey Odessa, who's a great uh, MMA uh, analyst, uh, you know, bookmaker who's worked for a lot of great sites like Pinnacle and, and a lot of those other places. We're going to have him on an episode this week. Going to talk a little bit about that Conor McGregor fight coming up on Saturday. And, of course, Chris Dawson's going to be with us to break down uh, the conference championship weekend in the NFL. We're going to be talking about some profits too. So uh, two really fun podcasts to look forward to this weekend, of course, after you're done listening to Doug's. So, Doug, thank you very much again for joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Sports Predictor Podcast. Peace.